heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Cleveland Browns fans. Thank you for stopping by this Locked On podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. It is Thursday. That means we have football tonight, folks. And that means we are one day closer to the Browns week one matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. And so we're going to start off today by looking at the keys to victory for the Eagles. Yesterday's podcast, I talked about the Browns keys to victory. For them, it is shutting down the run and getting some consistency offensively so they're not just a big play, three and out kind of team. And so uh, today we're going to look at the Eagles and see what it will it take for them to beat the Browns. And so we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, on offense, obviously the big story is that Sam Bradford has been traded and Carson Wentz is now the starting quarterback. And so for the Eagles, the number one thing, the number one key for their victory is to be unpredictable. If the Browns are able to pin their ears back uh, against Wentz on third down because they knew that they were going to run the ball on first and second down, it really sets up uh, for failure for the Eagles. And so they need to find a way to be unpredictable, uh, but also to put their quarterback in a position to succeed. And so whether that is some wide receiver screens or some deep balls that are either long completions or incomplete passes, or even a few quarterback runs, they have to do some things to allow Wentz to get comfortable, uh, but to make sure that the Browns are not just content with putting their ears back and coming after him, especially on third and longs. And so that means screen plays, some misdirections, um, some of those kind of things, especially on first and second down, where the Browns are going to be coming hard after the running back. If the Eagles can do that, they're going to set themselves up well Uh, against a Browns defense that really does struggle unless they know what's coming. And so the Browns have not been good at stopping the run, and they have some struggles in the secondary. But if they know what's coming or they are able to predict that at a high level, that's really going to help out Ray Horton's defense. And so for the Eagles, it starts up front. Uh, They have an all-pro type left tackle in Jason Peters, just a great athlete uh, who is good in pass protection as well as in run blocking. Uh, They have a great center in Jason Kelsey. And then the right tackle, the interesting story all offseason has been Lane Johnson. Johnson has been waiting for his B sample to be tested, and we still haven't got the results. And so while the Eagles have been planning that uh, he would most likely be suspended for the first four games of the season, it looks like at this point in time, Johnson will actually be on the field. So you have another uh, pretty athletic Uh, tackled over there at right tackle with Johnson. And so that gives the Eagles a lot of creativity uh, offensively because they have two tackles who really are solid against the pass as well as in the run and can get out in front of some screen plays and pitches and those kind of things. And so while you often see pulling guards and centers, it's possible that you may see Peters and Johnson pulling on a couple run plays as well uh, based on their athleticism and their skill level. And so Uh, The Eagles caught a break with Johnson. Uh, He most likely is going to be suspended at some point in time this season, but it's not going to be in week one when they uh, need to protect Carson Wentz. They're semi-injured with his rib problem, 
quarterback uh, against the Browns defense. And so, and you look at the weapons that the Eagles can kind of run out there. You have Nelson Aguilar, someone who I really liked coming out of college. Uh, he can run those nine routes, even though he's a smaller guy. He's got great route running precision as well as hands. You have Jordan Matthews, who's going to be kind of their number one receiver. Big guy, can stretch the field a little bit. Not the fastest guy in the world, but he has a big body, uh, good hands, can go over the middle, can box out cornerbacks, those kind of things. And so Matthews uh, will probably match up with Joe Hayden most of the day. And we'll see an interesting matchup out there. We know that Hayden likes playing against bigger receivers, and that's what Matthews is. And then they have a guy in Josh Huff and Dorio Green Beckham, both who have different skill sets. Beckham is kind of the red zone jump ball threat, while Huff is able to do a variety of things underneath, as well as has some speed to take the top off the defense out of Oregon. One of the few Oregon players that has stuck around, even though Chip Pelley is gone. And so offensively for the Eagles, uh, it's going to be about mixing that run and pass game. They have Ryan Matthews starting at running back. He's going to kind of be the bell cow. But then they have Darren Sproles, who we all know he can run it through the middle because he's so small and he can hide behind his blockers. But it's really dangerous when he can get at the outside, get the ball in his hands on the screen game or even on swing passes uh, when Wentz is going to check the ball down, which we expect uh, pretty often tomorrow. Or I'm sorry, Sunday. So if the Eagles can, can really – kind of mix it up, keep the Browns guessing, especially a Young's Brown defense, that will be key for them uh, on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be all about getting pressure on Robert Griffin III. Fletcher Cox is one of the best defensive tackles in the game, and so he kind of anchors that middle of the defensive line going to the 4-3. Now with Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator, you're going to see some of that wide nine where you have Brandon Graham and Connor Barwin, their starting defensive ends, really kind of lined up uh, way outside. So when we talk about a wide nine, we're talking about the nine technique, which uh, it starts with the zero technique. That's someone who is head up on the center. So a normal defensive end is playing a either a five or a seven technique. With Jim Schwartz's defense, generally speaking, they're playing that nine technique. So they're a li little farther out. They're outside of either the tight end or where a tight end would be. Uh, to create these wide angles, and it opens things up for uh, stunts. Uh, it opens things up for linebacker blitzes uh, with Michael Kendricks, who can really fly to the ball, those kind of things. And so for the Eagles, the key defensively is going to be getting pressure on Robert Griffin III. Can they keep his feet moving? Can they put him in a position where he's forced to run, maybe take some hits? or he gets uncomfortable in the pocket and starts to try to force things. If they're able to do that, they're going to get their offense, the ball back. Um, they're going to put their defensive secondary, which has some talent with Leotis McKelvin, Nolan Carroll, and Malcolm Jenkins in a position to intercept the ball, maybe even return those. And so putting pressure on Robert Griffin III could be huge for the Philadelphia Eagles, as long as they're able to contain him a little bit. But if they can get some hits on him, um, which many teams did this offseason uh, in the preseason games, can they rattle him enough uh, that he is getting rid of the ball too quickly, uh, that he's looking to run quicker than the offense uh, really wants him to do? And so for the Eagles defensively, can they get some hits on RG3? Can they put him in a position where he can uh, he's going to be struggling to set his feet to get into all of his throws, uh, especially those down the field? Then on special teams, really, Darren Sproles, is, Darren Sproles and Josh Huff 
are really the concerns. Sproles as a punt returner just has the ability to find a crease and just take it. Uh, he may not take it all the way, but Sproles is often making something out of nothing. And so he can have a huge impact on field position game, which in this game with a rookie quarterback on the Eagles side and with the Browns really in their transition period could be a deciding factor in what could be a close game. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. So like everything will be with the Cleveland Browns this season, it won't just be about this season. And so while the Eagles game is an important game for the Browns to hopefully get an early victory, try to build some momentum, a lot of what we're going to look at with the Browns this season is going to be all about where are they in their development? What does this team look like? What's important to the team? Are we seeing players that are going to be the foundation of a future? And I think the most important thing that we can do is start to use some other teams and programs as kind of an established comparison piece. And so I already went over that the Browns aren't taking, they're not using the Philadelphia 76ers approach to building a team. That just doesn't make sense in the NFL. The Browns aren't trying to lose. They're just pretty aware of what they're able to do and how difficult winning is going to be this season based on the players that came in, based on the division that they're in and based on the youth that they want to bring into the team. And so while the Browns aren't trying to lose, uh, they have a, they're very aware that winning is going to be difficult this season, but they want to see some development. And so there are three teams and programs that I think will be important. And this will be up on the OBR, uh, a part of the scout network where I do all of my writing. You can go to theobr.com. This will be up sometime this afternoon with a little bit more detail, but it's important to think about where the Oakland Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars were just a couple seasons ago. The teams had really decided to tear down things. They really weren't bringing in free agents. They they really had started over at zero, kind of like the Browns did this season, just not to the extreme. There's been nobody picking 14 uh, picks in the NFL draft and keeping 13 of them, the 14th on the pre practice squad. That just doesn't happen, but they really, both teams really did look to start over a couple seasons ago at the same time that the Browns were looking to start over. Unfortunately, the Browns picked Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel as their foundation pieces. The Raiders, on the other hand, started with Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack, and David Carr. And so when you have Carr and Cooper and Mack, you have some foundational pieces that you can build around. And so we've seen the Raiders go out and spend money in free agency to shore up their offensive line, to bring in uh, a pass rusher on defense. We've seen the same things with the Jaguars, with Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson. They really started to set a foundation on their offensive side of the ball and bring in a bunch of defenders that were young draft picks that could make an impact to the point that now they too, in the last year and two, have really started to bring in some free agents wanting to compete right away. And uh, they were even able to take kind of the risk, the gamble on Miles Jack in the second round. Even though Jack may only play for four or five or six seasons because of his knees, knee issues, the Jaguars were in position to take a player who could be dynamic and great, even if his career is going to be really short, where the Browns were not in that position. While I loved Miles Jack, uh, 
and is someone that I would have loved for the Browns to pick, even at the top of the draft, if he was fully healthy. Some of the reports about his knees are what led him to fall all the way to the second round, and the Browns passed on him again. So instead of going with Miles Jack, they went with Emmanuel Ogba, uh, who we've already seen can be very, very exciting on the outside to attack uh, the pass rusher. But they weren't in a position to take Jack. By the time the Browns are able to compete, probably in three to four seasons, Jack may be nearing the end with his knee. And so it's important to understand uh, that where the Jaguars are now, where the Raiders are now, are all based on where they were a couple seasons ago, which is the same place the Browns are. They were building, trying to create a foundation, and they, they weren't able to do that without a quarterback, without some players that they really believed in that were young draft picks that they could build around and then sign them to extended contracts. And so while I didn't love that we didn't bring back Mitchell Schwartz um, and Tayshawn Gibson, wasn't as upset about Travis Benjamin, especially now when you look at how many draft picks we spent in the wide receiver position. And Alex Mack uh, is aging. While he could be still very good for the next year or two or maybe even three, uh, the Browns were in a position to build. And so signing these players who were would be up for new contracts by the time the Browns were competitive, didn't make as much sense. And so the Raiders and the Jaguars really are two teams, and I'll break them down in detail on the OBR today, but those are two teams that really are the balancing uh, comparison that I want to see us look at. And so as the Browns develop throughout the season, it'll be good for us to compare Corey Coleman to Allen Robinson, maybe even compare Robert Griffin III to Carr and to Bortles. Those are the kind of decisions, uh, kind of comparisons that make a lot of sense for this Browns team moving forward. The other comparison, the third comparison, is actually in college. It's the Texas program. And so Charlie Strong has been there for a couple of years. And even though people have wanted him out, the Texans region, Texas's regents and their decision makers have decided to keep Charlie Strong around. And at least in the first game of the season against Notre Dame, it looks like a good decision. The uh, Longhorns were boat raced last year against Notre Dame. It looked terrible. There were some that believed that Strong would be fired after that game as bad as it was. One year later, Strong has Texas ready to at least compete against Notre Dame, which was a top 10 level team, according to some preseason polls. Has, a, has two really, really good quarterbacks, one in Kaiser, who could actually be a Browns target down the road. But you see with the Charlie Strong program, and really that's what Hugh Jackson's trying to do. He's trying to create a program. You see that the the Brown or the that Texas is looking to develop the foundation over the last couple seasons, and now we're starting to see some of the fruits of their labor. While college football and the pros have a lot of differences, one thing is for certain: it's all about building that foundation to move forward. And so Charlie Strong and, and in college, that's done through recruiting. For Hugh Jackson, Sashi Brown, and the Cleveland Browns, that's going to be all through the, the draft now, and then they can supplement that later with free agency the way the Raiders and the Jaguars and other teams have done. But without that foundation of young, cheap, exciting talent that they can really build up from, from the ground level up, signing a bunch of players in free agency just does not make sense for the Browns right now. But as, we're, as many people are excited about the Jaguars and the Raiders and then on the college level, maybe even about Texas, that's where we expect to be in about two seasons, Browns fans. And with RG3 at the helm, it's possible that that transition could happen even quicker. 
And so Hugh Jackson loves to win. It's something that he expects to do. And so don't be surprised if we see our time frame maybe even a little quicker than the Jaguars and Raiders. That is something to be excited about, even if that means we'll lose a lot of games this season. Again, I'll break this down more uh, probably late this afternoon on the OBR.com. So make sure you check that out as we'll kind of break down what that transition has looked like for the Raiders and the Jaguars and maybe even a little of Texas. And as we do every Lockdown Browns podcast, we end with our listen up, our tune in, and our click on. And so today, pretty simple. Click or t- listen up to Matt Williamson's Lockdown NFL podcast and Torin Davenport. Again, we're playing the Eagles this week. Torin Davenport's Lockdown Eagles podcast is a must listen to for Browns fans, those dedicated enough that really want to learn their enemy and learn what the Browns will be facing this week, especially that transition with new Carson Wentz. Um, and what that looks like for the team. They also made a trade with the New England Patriots this week. And so what does that transition look like? Maybe what are the veterans looking at? Those kind of things. So again, Matt, listen up to Matt Williamson's Lockdown NFL podcast and Turin Davenport's Lockdown Eagles podcast. Tune in is pretty simple. Tonight is the Super Bowl rematch. 8.30 on NBC, we have the Carolina Panthers versus the Denver Broncos. And so make sure you tune into that. It is real live football. It is what we want to see. It matters. It means something. So it'll be interesting to see how the Broncos react to um, Trevor Simeon as their quarterback. Uh, is their defense still going to be as dominant as it was last year, even though they've, they've lost some pieces to that defense? And where are the Carolina Panthers? The Super Bowl hangover for the losers of the Super Bowl tends to be pretty strong. And so in the opening night in a Super Bowl rematch, do the Panthers try to get their vengeance right away? So that's Definitely our tune-in is tune-in to NBC Thursday, 8.30, tonight, 8.30, uh, for Panthers versus Broncos in the Super Bowl rematch for the first game that matters this season. And finally, our click-on, going to be a little selfish. Click on the OBR. There are a lot of things up. Uh, John does uh, some of our X's and O's, our chalk talk, and so he breaks down three cornerstone concepts of the Browns offense for our subscribers. Uh, and then for our subscribers, we have a lot of Ask the Insiders. So one of our forums uh, is really a chance for you guys to ask me and Lane Atkins, Fred Greetham, Brent Soboleski uh, some questions. And so uh, make sure you click on that. And then something that is just breaking this morning, make sure you click on the story that the Mets are signing Tim Tebow to a minor league contract uh, for their instructional league or their Arizona Fall League is where Tebow will go, and that is broken by one Mr. Adam Schefter. And so um, that story is going to run and going to take up a lot of attention. And so click on that, and then when you're done, you can click on over to the OBR for a lot of breakdown. Again, I'll be detailing kind of the Jaguars and Raiders transitions, as well as a little bit of Texas's transition today. Uh, we'll have a lot of other good information up for you on the OBR. Fred Greetham is on the ground in Berea. So again, Listen up to Matt Williamson's Locked On NFL podcast. Torin Davenport is all over the Eagles with his Locked On Eagles podcast. Uh, great guy. Great amount of information. Uh, you can also see his stuff on USA Today. Uh, the Eagles Wire is a part of the USA Today network. And so he does a lot of writing there covering the Eagles. The tune-in is obviously the Super Bowl rematch tonight, 8.30 on NBC. And then our click on is at theobr.com. You can see a lot of great information. Check out our forums. It's a great place to have discussions with Browns fans, 
become a subscriber. You can get uh, the last two days or some Ask the Insider stuff, as well as a subscriber piece about the X's and O's, uh, those three concepts that the Browns have. So thank you for stopping in again today for your Locked on Browns podcast. We are your on-demand sports radio Monday through Friday, all things Cleveland Browns. My name is Jared Mueller. Again, you can get with me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks again for stopping by and go Browns. You are Locked on Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.